0: Well, welcome everyone to uh, tonight, graduation night for some great graduates here. We'll be recognizing those with perfect attendance. I know for some of you it's the first time you'll have graduated from anything, so we're really, we're, uh, I know you're excited, we're excited for you. Um, Now... um, before we go in tonight you know one thing i I typically mention is that there is you know every night we have a, a, a cd for the for for the talk that night and so we have the cds available for you and i you know what do you get the person that has everything you may just want to get them uh the 10 weeks of alpha and if you act now uh for only the cost of shipping and handling we will get you two sets of alpha cds and so please take advantage of that while li- supplies are limited. So please do that quickly. So we knew you'd want to know that. But really, that is those are always available for you. And you can just go to the Lakeview Christian Center YouTube channel and you can get um, those, those videos. You can watch those videos. So we want to encourage you to do that. But we do want to thank some people before we recognize uh, the graduates. We do want to thank some people. But... I want to invite you guys, for those of you who can, Sunday on December 20th, Sunday the 20th at 9 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 7 at night, and then 7 o'clock, Monday the 21st, we're going to have a Christmas program at Lakeview Christian Center here at 5885 uh, Fleur de Lis Boulevard. And so we would like to welcome you and have you be our guests for those Christmas programs, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 7 p.m., on Sunday the 20th, and then 7 o'clock on uh, the 21st. That'll also be live stream. So if you can't make it here personally, you want to just take in a Christmas program live stream, you can do that as well. So I do want to thank some folks that have been serving us through the weeks. And I I hope the team is ready to come so we can appropriately thank them. Now, y'all... You got to come this way. Thanks for all the help, table servers. Uh, Want to thank the bartender Warren Duncan for uh, making sure those dr- Eddie Malton always cutting cakes within an eighteenth of an inch, just to make sure they're just perfect. The Abbot girls always there. Thank you all so very much, Gio making sure Homeland Security is secure. So all of you, thank you all for serving us. We appreciate you so very much. So that is great. So we do want to just take a moment now last ask, Annette, will you come, sweetheart, and help me? We do want to ask, uh, we want to recognize the, the graduates of the fall class of 2020. But also, this is what's so exciting to us. First online graduating class of Alpha. We've had, this is our... 36 Alpha, I think, maybe 35, 36, and the first time we've had uh, graduates. So we do want to recognize, uh, recognize the graduates um, with uh, this great T-shirt. But uh, before I do that, I'd just like, we're going to call you up to come. If you have 10 weeks of attendance, we want to call you up. First, I'd like the Lakeview Christian Center Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra to play the appropriate music for us. As we recognize you with... Your t-shirt here and it says, I survived 10 weeks of alpha. So, so all of you who have 10 weeks perfect attendance, please come forward and that will find the shirt size for you and let us recognize you. Come on. Oh, wait, I didn't put mine. Amanda! Yes, yes, yes. These are, by the way, these are the recipients of the Summer Come Always Award. So, we congratulate each and every one of you. Got to put my hat on. Congratulations! Don't get too close. time for the graduates well those t-shirts won't get you into heaven but you know (laughs) congratulations to all of you i can take this off now no i gotta take this off first (laughs) so it has been a quick 10 weeks a great fun 10 weeks and we appreciate all of you whether you've been joining us live stream or been joining us here, we are grateful for each of you. Um, Tonight we are in session 11, how can I make the most of the rest of my life? You know, it was nine, I guess ten weeks ago now, we started with the question out of session one, is there more to life than this? And, uh, And here we are. And I hope the reason you're still coming or you're still watching is because you're finding there is more to life than possibly you've experienced. And uh, one of the things that I think is so important for us to see is that life is to be lived forward. Life's to be lived like what more is there? God kind of put that in each and every one of us. There's more to life than what necessarily meets the eye. And so questions like, you know, we ask questions like this. Um, How many of you have studied the Bible? It was a routine of your life to study the Bible. Um, And you, many of you in the room and in the past, very few people have done that. How many of us believe there's something on the other side of our heart, last heartbeat that's going to last forever? And like 98% or more of the people always say, yes, I believe there is. But the question is, why do we believe that? What do we believe that is? And... If that's true, do we know what is going to be on the other side of our last heartbeat? Can we even know? And what we talked about, particularly in week three, is why Jesus died, and the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ—I would argue—puts the stamp of validity on Christianity and the claims of Jesus Christ. If he is raised from the dead, it validates all of his teaching. And so, so as we are closing up this class. just want to encourage you, uh, wherever you may be in terms of your search, whether you're curious or convinced or committed, if you've just come to know Christ, if you've just gotten in the wheelbarrow in these last several weeks, um, I just want to encourage you. uh, Life has just begun in some amazing ways, some amazing ways. So, you know, and I would hasten to guess that maybe for some of us, um, we maybe thought more about God, we've thought more about the Bible, we've thought more about the line, if you will, than we have maybe ever in our entire lives or maybe in a long time. Um, you know, I, I, we, we quote C.S. Lewis a lot here and I think because he's, he's just got some great quotes. And I think these are some things that would be helpful for us here. Just look at this first quote here. He says, we all want progress. That's true, don't we? None of us want a, a stagnant, Life. We want progress. We want life to be moving forward. He says, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man or the woman who turns back the soonest is the most progressive. Now think about that for a minute. If you realize you've been walking in a direction, maybe your entire life, and, but you realize You are going in the wrong direction. Man, I have a dear friend that was driving to Houston, Texas by way of Jackson, Mississippi. And I thought, you know, the the best thing you can do is turn around as quickly as possible uh, because you're going east and Houston is west. Um, And think about that. What would stop me from if I see or I'm thinking I could be on the wrong road in my life? What would stop me from realizing I'm on the wrong road? I need to look and see what this road map of life is telling me, and I may see for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, I've been going the wrong direction. I need to turn back and get on the right road. And it doesn't matter what age you may be, if you recognize that you've been on the wrong road, as C.S. Lewis himself recognized. Turn around as quickly as possible. Get on the right road. The man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. These are a couple other things he said that I think are important. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. It was in week one we talked about very successful people, the Tom Brady's of the world. We talked about the Ted Turners of the world. We talked about very the Shia LaBeouf's of the world. We talked about very successful people, but how it just wasn't there for them. See, here's what Lewis, who was the same thing, and not necessarily a Hollywood star or an athletic star, but in his field of academia, he was a star. This guy was a pro. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy... Now, look, we do have experiences that satisfy us, don't we? but for how long the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010. Are you happy with that now? Heck no. We want us to win the Super Bowl in 2021. But that's satisfying. That that experience, whatever experience you may have had, even this graduation experience. As amazing as that was for all of you. That's going to, you know, just going to wane as well. But no earthly experience can satisfy that. You and I know that. New car, new house, new job, whatever. It doesn't satisfy. And you know that. You've lived long enough to know that. And I don't think you'd be here in week 10 if you didn't know that. I certainly wouldn't be here saying this stuff if I hadn't experienced that myself. The most probable explanation. Think about this. If nothing that this world has given me Great spouse, great kids, great grandkids, money in the bank, nice house, great family, all that, 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 that. None of that actually itches that inner scratch or scratches that inner itch. What does that say? According to Lewis, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. I was made for the line, not just the dad. He also said here, aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Think about that. I mean, I could spend, I think I could spend the whole night just talking about this and the next quote. But I, I can't do that. But think of this. If you and I live for the line, understanding what God says about my life in the line and him in the line, if I really begin to grasp that, the dash starts to make sense. As I'm, as I'm not just living for the next raise, the next experience, the next joyful moment. But what what Lewis is telling us straight out of the scripture is that if I aim and live for the line, I'll find incredible joy and peace and comfort and purpose and meaning in the midst of a world that doesn't make sense because I know the line is secure for me. It's so important to know that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Aim at heaven, you get earth. Aim at earth only, you get neither. Here's the last one. He who plans for this life, but fails to plan for the next, is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. Think about that. If you and I are just thinking about the dash, first off, we don't know how long the dash is going to last. The death rate is 100%. Nobody gets off this planet alive. But if there is something on the other side of my last heartbeat promised by God to me by trusting in Christ, ah, I will be incredibly wise. If I plan to fail, if I fail to plan for the next life, I show myself a fool. I I was that fool. And I'm so grateful for God opening my eyes to see that. That life lived here may be cool for a moment, but in the line, it could not be more foolish. See, we make the most of the rest of our lives by living in the dash for the line. Growing in deeper relationship with God. This God who loves us and died to prove it. Now, you know, you think about this. How long do any of us have in the dash? I mean, do any of us know? We have no idea. But I, I, I told you about my grandfather, Goose and my grandfather, uh, a few weeks ago. But I, as I was preparing again for this, I thought about Annette's dad. And uh, if, if any of you knew Annette's father, and <laughs> at least one of you here does, um, Annette's dad... Um, thought the word PR you know which we think of public relations actually meant pain in the rear that's what he thought PR stood for and um, one of the most interesting men I could use some other words but I'm not do that that I've I've ever met most difficult man I have ever met but he, he moved in next to us as he got older and circumstances worked perfectly for him to move next door to us and he got to experience life with the family he had lived in Slidell and Um, it looked like, um, his, his final day on earth had come on a Friday night and, uh, rushed him to the hospital, bleeding internally. Um, um, this one's supposed to happen. Um, and I remember him, this agnostic Jewish man lying on the gurney, um, at uh, East Jefferson Hospital. No, was it East Jefferson? Yeah, East Jefferson Hospital. Scared. And I remember encouraging my father-in-law who had heard what you guys have been hearing, which all have been hearing over the last 10 weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks now. And I remember, and I led him in an opportunity to receive Christ, to receive the gift, to get in the wheelbarrow, to say, I do. And I watched this man with conviction uh, communicate his desire to give Jesus control of his life. Now, he'd lived 88 years. Um, We thought that would be his last day, but no, it was not his last day. Uh, He lived three more weeks. He was uh, intubated, couldn't speak for three weeks. Selfishly, that really wasn't that bad, but... um, but when they pulled the, the the tube out from his mouth and from down his throat, he, uh, Annette said to him, "Dad, first weeks you're gonna, first words you're gonna say in three weeks. What do you want to say?" Now, if you knew this man the way I knew this man, just hold your ears while the expletives fly, until he finally, you know, asks for a frozen shrimp dinner. I'm I'm, I'm not kidding. He says, with all the gusto and sincerity, I love everybody. Now, I'm thinking, he's either dead and somebody came and took over his body or that communication with God three weeks before, he meant and he was experiencing God up until the day he, surprisingly, went away you know you make the most of the rest of your life by taking the moment that you and i have today i don't know how old each of you is but the question is why wait any longer if you've yet to surrender say yes get in the wheelbarrow when god has offered us life in the dash and life forever in the line with him um not sure if this is uh, the last name of the person who died, but the thrill of life in Christ is just is just abundant, um, and and anything outside of Christ just pales in comparison. But when I saw this once, I thought, is is this the description of this person's life, or is this their last name? I'm just not quite sure. But um, can you imagine this thing? Was this their life? But Apart from Christ, life in Christ may be many things, but life in Christ is not boring, it's abundant, it's full of excitement, surprise, challenge, suffering. But we know this, all with a purpose. Even when, the way I make the most of the rest of my life is by realizing that God has a purpose for my life that will not change when all the circumstances of life around me change. He is the only one that does make that promise and the only one that, no politician can make that promise to you and keep that promise. Because they can only make you promises for the dash that they won't keep. God makes you a promise in the dash for hope that is certain. And he fulfills that promise when the heart stops and you are with him forever. And that which was faith in the dash becomes sight forever in the line. Um, you sat after each session discussing the topic of the evening, but what I I want to encourage you, and I think would be a great question at your table tonight, is to ask your table host, except those at our table, ask your table host uh, how they have made the most of their lives since coming to Christ. How have they made the most? How have you guys made the most of your life, table hosts? Uh, Take that question. Talk about that tonight. Now, many of you, as we talked about, have just been have just gotten in the wheelbarrow over the course of these last ten weeks. Uh, and as strange as that sounds, um, you're newborn. You're brand new. You have a new life, born into a new family in Christ. And though you may be naturally mature um, and educated in many ways uh, spiritually, uh, you're a newborn, and that's exciting and it's scary because you're experiencing new emotions and new uh, encounters with people. You know, some, but something in that said a, a, a while back stuck with me, and I really believe it's true because my experience when I first got in the wheelbarrow, and I think that's been the experience of, of all who've come in the wheelbarrow, come to know Christ, surrender to Christ, excited. You, you feel, you sense that, but, but the feelings start to, to wane, and then we'll... When the feelings wane, does that mean I didn't really get in the wheelbarrow? What does that mean? Well, um, my bride, I wanted to quote her. Um, here says, and this is really true what she said. She said, when we first surrender our lives to Christ, we walk by feel. We surrender our lives to Christ by faith. We get in the wheelbarrow by faith. We say, I do receive the gift by faith. But there's an emotion. Now, some people's emotions, I've seen emotions that just kind of run the gamut. Incredibly emotional, somewhat emotional, but a change nonetheless. We walk by feel, and those feelings, I mean, that's just kind of what propels us, those feelings. But then as we mature in Him, we get to know Him more. What happens is we start to walk more by faith. God kind of lets the feelings wane, if you understand what I'm saying. He lets the feelings wane so that we can begin to grow and mature, that we don't walk by feel. The Bible doesn't say walk by feel. The Bible says walk by faith. And so, those imp- that's important. The fact that feelings wane, that's a gift from God. I, I need to see that. I, I constantly need to see that. Forty-some-odd years later, I need to see that. You need to see that, particularly if you're young in Christ, not to think, wow, the feel I don't feel like I've, I'm a child of God now. Well, understand. It's a way of resisting evil to realize, no, I know that God has come into my life. I know I've surrendered my life to Christ. So those are important things and faith is so important the bible tells us without faith it's impossible to please god well where does faith come from well guess what faith is the gift that brings us to christ god gives us faith so that we can receive christ so even the faith that you and i have is a faith that god gives us i make the most of the rest of my life by realizing this god who drew me to himself continues to draw me to himself he wasn't just a Marine Corps recruiter that you never see again. He is with us always. And so, the Bible talks about, tells us about faith. And how does faith come? Well, the Bible says this. Paul tells the Romans, faith comes by hearing or from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So what Paul's telling us here is the more I hear the word of Christ, the more I ingest the word of Christ, the more I know the Christ of the word. So that's what faith comes from. I exercise spiritual help. But this is another thing that we could say, that knowing comes from hearing, knowing Christ comes from hearing, and knowing grows by the word of Christ. Uh, Trusting him comes from hearing, and trusting grows by the word of Christ. Falling in love, more and more in love with him comes from hearing, and that love grows through and by the word of Christ. Strength to endure difficulties, hardship, suffering, heartbreak comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ and strength growing by the word of Christ. Understanding more of the word, more of God's working in my life, more of God's purposes in my life comes from hearing, come from hearing and understanding grows by the word of Christ. And so the more I am in his word for the sake of knowing him, the more his word gets into me and the more I begin to look at this world through the lens of this book that never changes. This word of God that is certain and secure and will never pass away as opposed to the nightly news which changes nightly. So, but it's just the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God that's based on, remember, based on His performance, not ours. He wants us to live dependent as children, trusting Him. So, so what do we do now? What, what do I do to make the most of the rest of my life? Well, here's, here's one of the things that Paul said, another thing to to the Romans in the 12th chapter. So, so follow along with me here. He says, I urge you, therefore, brothers or sisters in view of God's mercies to present your bodies as a living sacri- living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect so let's unpack this just a little bit here so he's saying in view of God's mercy, not in view of your works, not in view of your meology, mer- not, not in view of yourself at all, but in view of a God who is merciful, who came to you to reveal himself to you, to present yourself as a living, because you now, you know I'm going to go through the night without these, okay, okay. as living, what makes you living? In Adam, we're dead, separated from God. We are living and holy in Christ. The Bible says we... I don't have time to go through this tonight, but you may never have considered that God would call you holy, much less the fact that you could call you holy. But God says we are holy because He's placed us, saturated us, baptized us, given us new life in Christ. And that new life, to be approved by God, to be accepted by God, has to be holy because God's not accepting anything that's not holy. So you and I are going to be accepted by God, we have to be in Christ because that's the only way that you and I are holy, acceptable to God. So we present ourselves to Him as a living and holy sacrifice. We continue to sacrifice, or if you will, not, not, not a blood sacrifice like you're thinking because Christ gave the blood sacrifice. It's I'm constantly saying, I'm living my life before God. Yes, Dad, what's next? What are we doing next? What do you want to show me next? What have you got for me now? How do I get to know you more? That's your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world or don't be conformed to the way the world thinks any longer. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind and how are our minds renewed. Well, we just talked about this. Making the most of the rest of my life means I'm going to let this word be in my mouth, be in my heart, be before my eyes. And that's going to renew my mind so that I can prove, I can know, I can be certain of what God's will is for me. That it's good. That it's acceptable. That it's perfect. See, this speaks of relationship. That God didn't just, as I, we talked about earlier, just set you in a wheelbarrow or say, I do, and then shove you off somewhere. Our lives now have the opportunity to be lived 24-7, 365, in front of a God who says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to turn my back on you. Where are you going? I'm there. He is with us always. Whether I feel Him or not, He is always with us if His word is true, if Christ is raised from the dead. And I make the most of the rest of my life becoming more and more aware that God is present with me at my office, giving me wisdom. At my office, giving me the ability to love difficult people to love. At my office. He is with me always. F- fill in the blank of the circumstance. So, what is he telling me? He's saying that the new life that God has given me has its source from living life toward him and with him. And I make the most of the rest of my life by realizing this. God wants me to know him, trust him, love him, and serve him. And the more I take opportunity to know Him, trust Him, love Him, and serve Him. Do you know what happens in that circle? The more I know Him, the more I trust Him. The more I trust Him, the more I love Him. The more I love Him, the more I serve Him. And it snowballs. Like Again, you think about that in an earthly relationship, which is imperfect. How much more so with a God who says, when you're faithless, if you're in Christ, I can't deny you because... You're in me. I'd have to, Christ would have to deny himself to deny us. Do you see that level of... Does anyone know that level of acceptance? Does anyone offer that level of acceptance? No. Only a God who came to unconditionally give him, his, himself to us perfectly because we needed to have him. Needed him. So with each effort, with each effort, effort I make in the strength that He provides to know Him, trust Him, love Him serve Him more with each effort I'm watering and I'm nurturing the relationship God has given me with Him and that affects every other relationship in my life the more I'm knowing Him trusting Him, loving Him, the more I'm able to love people that are anything but lovable the more I'm able to care for people that I just don't really care for It's an amazing, miraculous work of His Spirit. It's God's promise. It's God's promise. It's what He wants. I make the most of the rest of my life by finding out what He wants and then watching Him do things through me that I never ever in all the days I'd lived on this planet thought were possible. And here's what's so cool. The more my life is planted in knowing Him, the more God transforms me to delight in living a faithful life in dependence on him. Because we need to see that when we think about plants. Growth is organic. It just doesn't happen overnight. Growth happens slowly, surely, but certainly. It takes time and attention. And that is true of plants, and that's true of relationships. Um, so let me, here's what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He says, And he's praying now to the church, those who are in Christ. He says, I pray to you, uh, pardon me, and I pray that you, being rooted, okay, you get that picture, that primary, rooted, grounded in love, you may have power together with all the saints. Now, we talked about the word saints last week. These are not dead people voted on to be saints. The Bible calls anyone who's in Christ a saint, a holy one. Again, just. Don't take my word for it. Look it up at least 63 times in the New Testament. Live people who are in Christ are called saints, holy ones. Okay. I do this and I lose my place. Sorry. So it may power all the saints to grasp how I love this. How wide, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know him, listen to this. To know this love that surpasses Knowledge, in other words, what my mind, my natural mind, cannot comprehend. Knowing this love of God, this immeasurable love of God, allows me to know Him and to know His love in a way that just doesn't make natural sense. That's amazing. So that I would be filled all the fullness of God. That's incredible. That's what this God says He desires. For you and me he wants you and me to experience him i make the most of the rest of my life by experiencing him now and understanding that this growth is slow but sure paul tells the church at kolos he says bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god again we bear fruit in every good work we increase in the knowledge of god we grow Look, growing hurts. Growing pains hurt physically. They can hurt spiritually as well. But they are signs of growth. Okay? And I get stretched. I get stretched when I read this book. I get stretched when I speak to God and I hear Him communicating back with me. I get stretched when I interact with others who are in Christ. But those are essential elements to making the most of the rest of my life. I just want to give you a picture here that that uh, Jesus gives us in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. So, if you've got your um, your I don't know if, if you folks watching from home have an what we call an Alpha Bible, which is just a, a paperback Bible in the English Standard Version. Uh, I, I want to ask you to turn to uh, to page um, nine hundred and thirty. Turn to page 930, and I'll read this to you folks at home, so don't worry, I'm not going to just leave you without uh, anything going on right here. So, um, this is what's called the parable of the soils. Now, let me just uh, just kind of take you through this here. Jesus is going to, sh- to tell a story to the multitudes that are there, and he talks about a seed that's sown by the roadside, okay? And then he's going to talk about a seed that falls into shallow soil. So, here's a, a seed sower. He's just throwing seed, Some of the seed falls by the side of the road. It doesn't even get in the ground. Then some falls into shallow soil. So there's some ground there, but it's shallow. There's others that the seed that grows up among weeds. Good soil, but lots of weeds or lots of thorns. You're going to see that here. And then fourthly, the the seed that grows in fertile soil. And um, so let's look at verse 13. It's the middle of the second column. And he said to them, Jesus is saying to his disciples now, because they went off alone, they didn't understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus calls them to himself and he says, and he said to them, <clears throat> do you not understand this parable? Well, parable is just a story that he's telling them to, to give them an understanding of truth. Don't you under- do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Okay, so what's the, what's the seed? The seed is it's the word, it's the truth of God's word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes it away. And so with the seed that fell by the roadside, didn't even make it to the ground, what Jesus is saying is, Satan comes and steals that, that, uh, that seed, that word immediately. You're not watching now, by the way. You're not here, by the way, if that's you something that's happening. There's a seed that's getting into the soil, if, or if you will, your, your heart, our hearts. Um, and they're the ones sown on rocky ground, okay? That's the shallow soil, the rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So in other words... When the seed goes into the ground, it begins to germinate. It begins to bring forth some roots. But the sun comes out. The sun is, is a picture of tribulation, difficulties, hardships. And it's like, this stuff just doesn't work. Life may be more difficult. It feels like life is more difficult for me now than it was before I got in the wheelbarrow. And the word says they're just temporary. They, they fall away. And verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. I have the word here, weeds or thorns. They are those who hear the word. Now, now hear this now. I have to hear this for myself, by the way, every day. I have to hear this parable for myself every day. And, and, and there are various applications of this scripture, by the way. Others thorn by thorns. They are they who hear the word, but, verse 19... The cares of the world, another translation says the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, wealth, comfort, all those other things, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. So you could be in Christ, but allowing the things of the world to come in and choke the and you're not experiencing the joy of being in Christ. But those but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And so here's the thing. I know that when you know, we do something, maybe we're doing, we've done Alpha 10 times now, and you're coming every week, and this is, this is a, a structural experience. You know, you've, you've committed yourself to this, and, and possibly every week you're getting something more out of it. You're enjoying the, the relationships you're building. You're enjoying the stories you're hearing. You're enjoying the Scripture and being challenged by the Scripture you're reading. You're beginning to question your life, where you are, what's going on. But this is the last week. How do I make the most of the rest of my life? Could we just do Alpha forever? Free dinner on Tuesday night forever? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, but where do I go from here? How do I, if, if I've gotten in the wheelbarrow, how do I keep the thorns out? How do I keep the, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness, of riches, and cares for other things? How do I keep them out from choking out fruitfulness? And what does fruitfulness look like? Well, the Bible talks about fruit being the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy, and peace, and patience, and gentleness, and goodness, and meekness, and self-control. That's the fruitfulness that is the expression and the proof, if you will, of Christ now being in me. Because I'm knowing him more, and I'm trusting him more. And I'm not trusting the things of this world more. I'm not trusting the stuff. I'm trusting him more. And that's a challenge it's a challenge that every one of us faces, whether in Christ 40-some-odd years, if I have been, or four weeks, possibly. And so what Jesus is saying here is there's the opportunity to experience him. And so making the most of the rest of my life is, um, if you're in Christ, weed the soil. Be aware. Spirit of God, come and search me. Show me my heart. You know, reveal to me where those things are that I just don't see. They've been with me my whole life and I need to and I want to see them. So if I'm in that place, what are some of the things, again, I need to do to have a growing and maturing relationship with Him? And we've discussed these things. And physical, you you think about this, Physical exercise begets physical strength, right? At least it's supposed to work that way, right? Sometimes it begets injury. But the more I exercise, let's say I'm working on my my biceps, the more I do bicep curls and other exercises, the stronger my bicep is going to be. That could be for traps and lats and all these other parts of my body where I'm working on muscles, That's true physically, but that's just a shadow of what God's trying to tell us, that He wants to work on our spiritual muscle. And the way we work on our spiritual muscle is through prayer, through hanging out with God, through hanging out with other Christians, by being in this Word, by gathering around the living stones, as we talked about the church last week. There's some things that a dear, dear brother Ken Boa said that I think are really something for us to to keep and and you actually have these tonight i believe uh, on your on your table as a bookmark for you to take with you but these are some things to remember and rehearse just we'll go through these real quickly um but you want to keep this with you look at look at what this is straight out of the scripture what ken helps us with there's nothing we can do to earn god's favor you guys have heard that over the last 10 weeks haven't you All of our efforts before God fall short of his character and righteousness. Remember that all the time. I have to remember that all the time. I never do anything where God says, okay, I'll give you that now. That just doesn't happen because it's all about him. Just as none of our, hear this, just as none of our actions will make God love us more, it is equally true that there is nothing we can think, say, or do to make God love us less than he does. He is always on a perfect 100 on a scale of 1 to 10 when it comes to how he loves us. His love for you and me is unchanging. Third one growth in our relationship with God, that's what we've been talking about tonight, is not accomplished by our own attempts to create meaning and purpose. Our responsibility, okay, here's my responsibility. Is to walk in the power of the Spirit and not in dependence on our own in dependence on my own efforts. Now, this, this is tricky. This is subjective. And this is where I have to, again, walk closely with the Lord to say, Lord, show me where this is in my strength and not in your strength, where I'm really depending upon me and not you. And I may feel that. Or I may not feel that, but it is God who will work, I guarantee you, to discipline us, to show us, because he wants us to stride with him in his power and his strength. And then lastly, our focus should not be deeds and actions, but on a relationship. This is so hard, but so true. On a relationship, not a product, but a person. I mean, we are so goal-oriented. Get it done oriented. Check that off oriented. But what God is saying, the way to truly experience meaning and purpose in life is focus on Him, who will then give more wisdom, more creativity, more energy than you can imagine to produce whatever needs to be produced. But now there's a different reason for that. It's not for the the self-pride, the sticking out of my chest. It's not for the raise. It's so that in everything I do, I want to point people to the God who pointed all of Himself to me and gave Himself to me without limit. So now I have a new motivation in whatever product, whatever service, whatever care, whatever. Law enforcement, banking, momming, dadding, whatever it is, health care, whatever it is. Now I have a new motivator because now I'm in Christ. And I have meaning and purpose. And all I do in the dash is for the purpose of showing other people there's more than just the dash. I do this because I am confident of a certain hope. Here's what one other thing Boa said, which I, I love. He said, the world, that is, those in Adam, the world... Defines who we are by what we do. But the Word of God centers on who we are in Christ and tells us to express that new identity in what we do. Being and doing are interrelated. But the biblical order is critical, it's very critical. What we do should flow out of who we are, not the other way around. Otherwise, our, you've got to hear this, particularly if you're getting old, like me. What we, do, what we do should flow out of who we are, not the other way around. Otherwise, our worth and identity are determined by achievements and accomplishments. And when we stop performing, we cease to be valuable. And you think about that. See, if, if life is only in the dash, What happens if you get a terrible diagnosis? What happens if you lose your job and you're unhirable? Well, if life is only the dash, you're done. But God has said, I'm going to give you abundance of life in the dash if you live for the line. If you understand I am with you in the dash to carry you through the dash and be with you to take you through into the line. It's a completely different paradigm. It's a completely different way of looking at life. Do you see that? God is the one now who determines my destiny. He is anyway. He's the one who shows me meaning and purpose and direction and fulfillment. And the more I trust Him, because I'm knowing Him, the more I believe that. And the more... He changes me, and this is what Paul told the church at Philippi, which is so important for us to see. He who began a good work in you, okay. He who began a good work in you. So when you said I do, a new work started with Christ. He began that, right? Remember, marriage is just the beginning of a lifelong of being lifelong of being married, okay. So he who began a good work in you, he is faithful. It, Paul doesn't say we need some of your faithfulness here. Doesn't say that. He is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. In other words, the day of Christ is when uh, you're not here anymore. I'm not here anymore. Until we're with Him and see Him face to face. He who began a good work in you. Now again, that shows that God is the initiator. Do we see that? God has initiated His relationship with you. Okay. In this Alpha, I want to take us back to the beginning, uh, to the garden, all the way back to Genesis, where God came down to Adam, and he called for Adam after Adam had sinned. And God said to Adam and asked, because Adam was hiding, you may, if you're familiar with the story, said, Adam, where are you? You know, and through the centuries, that question rings out to every one of us, because Every one of us has gone the way of our father, Adam, and sinned and run from God. You know, where are you? You know, tonight I could say, where are you? If it was God's voice, Amanda, where are you, Joey? Where are you, Jeff? Where are you? I mean, just hear his voice calling for you. Where are you? He's asking you just like he asked me because... He wants to know if you know. He knows where you are. He's not asking because he doesn't know. But the question is this. Do you know where you are? Well, of course you do. Because if you don't, you haven't really been here, though you've been here. Maybe it's just 10 weeks of free food. I'm not sure. But here's one of the beauties of the Garden of Eden. And the very beauty of where you and I live. Did God know where Adam was? What he had done? The mess he had made for all of us? He sure did. And what did God do in the garden? God came looking for Adam. Though he knew what he had done in rebellion against him. Does God know where you are? What you've done, the mess you've made of things, sure does. And what has God done in New Orleans, Louisiana? Metairie, Louisiana, wherever you may ab- abide. Same thing he did in Eden. He came looking for you. Same God that said to Adam and asks you and me, where are you? It's the same one in Jesus says, that says, I know where you are, and I have come to get you. I have come for you. And that's why we hear Jesus say, come to me. You know, the interesting thing in our lives is if we don't come to him, if we don't surrender to him, if we don't present ourselves to him, if we don't get married to him, well, we're coming to something or someone. We're presenting ourselves to somebody, something, someone, surrendering to something, someone, somebody. You're, like Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. But Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And if you come to me, I will give you the Father. I will give you life in the dash, and forever with me, life in the line. I mean, here's a good question. Where are you? Do you know where you are tonight? As it pertains to God, where are you? Curious? Convinced? Committed? Look, um, As we said a couple weeks ago, though Alpha is about to be done, God is not done. God is not done. He will continue to pursue every one of us. Because it's no coincidence that any one of us is here. It has been His intention for all of us to be here. Look, we live in a world that is full of uncertainty. And can we say 2020 has been that year in spades? Of course we can. But there is... So when you think of the fact that this year and the circumstances of this year have crushed so much hope and so many plans in people's lives, there is a hope that is sure, that stands firm in God's heaven. And it's the only certainty that there is Um, this is what the Lord says through Jeremiah in the midst of a people that were not exactly living out a life that was submitted to God. But he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. The God of the Bible offers to you and me a hope that is certain. It's not a weatherman hope. It's not a, Uh, A saint's win hope, and we don't know. It's a hope that is sure that in the midst of however this world may change, God says, I'm the same yesterday and today and forever, and if you're in me, I am your hope. He wants you and me to know that. The only thing this world can offer you is temporary hope in this dash, and you can't be sure of it. That hope is fleeting, momentary. But the hope that we have in Jesus will never change; it will never leave us. Because think about it: if not Jesus, who? And if not now, when? If Jesus, now what? You know, I do as I said is just the beginning. But I want to encourage you, wherever you may be in terms of your the path that you're on this hopefully this path of progress on the right road. Um, Curious, convinced, committed. Just keep asking, seeking, knocking, and God will always be listening. So, really, on behalf of Lakeview, I just want to thank all of you for, for being here all through these weeks, for you guys watching online all through these weeks. Uh, we trust, we thank you for trusting a bunch of strangers uh, to hang out with us for these weeks. Um, for opening your lives to us and we're grateful for your friendship just want to encourage you look if if you're if you've enjoyed what you've experienced here i would i just would encourage you to to maybe take in a service here at lakeview maybe you don't like it maybe there's be some other place where you'd hear the gospel as i said this is not an effort to get you to come here but we want you to continue to grow and we're going to start up some some new studies after this and so we want you to stay in touch with us so we can let you know about those things um, but I do, want to, I do want to close in prayer and just wish every one of you a very Jesus-filled and Merry Christmas uh, and an incredible 2021 to you and to yours. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that you've given us over these 10 weeks. Uh, we see them as a gift from you. We see them as your desire for us to come to you because you first came to us. I pray, Lord, for clarity where there may be confusion. Pray, Lord, for every one of us, Lord, that the, the questions that we still have, we would just lift them to you and find that you are, you are the answer to those questions. So, Lord, we, we look to you now. And I pray for all these folks that have been here Or watching. Lord they would experience. Your love. How high and wide. And long and deep it is. And know you Lord. With a knowledge that surpasses. Our natural ability to know anything. So that we could experience you. In the dash. All our days. And in the line forever with you. Thank you for that promise. Thank you that it is your desire for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, before we take a a quick break here, we do have a little questionnaire that it would be really helpful for us just to get some thoughts from you. This is the first time we've ever done this live stream or or like this. And so if you could just give us some of your thoughts, that would be great. Uh, And then if you want to turn them in to your table host afterwards or just give them to Georgina as you're leaving, that would be great. But again, thank you all. Have a very Merry Christmas. We appreciate each and every one of you being here and we hope to see you soon. Let's take a quick five-minute break. Thank you all.